0: It's always so interesting to hear a wonderful actor and in particular you read aloud because if I were reading that it wouldn't sound good and I just <laughs> love what you do and I'm always struck as a writer by choices that writers make and of course actors make choices too can you talk about that with regard to these stories
1: First of all I'll say that reading aloud to an audience is different than reading aloud to a microphone. Yeah. And the weird thing about reading aloud on a microphone knowing you're being taped with a live audience is that you have two constituencies. Right. And for me as a live performer, a theater performer, I tend to privilege the live constituency over the microphone constituency. Mm-hmm. This is all about the microphone. And I can hear my voice in my head, so I'm very aware of shaping sound in a very different way for this microphone. That makes a huge difference. In a symphony space, the audiences move And shift and groan and laugh and sigh, it's a process. We take in what they do.
0: And you then maybe change the way you're going to read, like, the next line?
1: Yeah, they help you understand.
0: Are you ever surprised by something an audience laughs at or doesn't?
1: Yeah, totally surprised. And again, it can feed you. Or their absolute silence inspires you because you can feel the weight of the story Hitting them.
0: Audiences can change from night to night, too, Completely. right? If you talk to comedians, Completely. why aren't you laughing at that? Last night they loved yeah. it.
1: And also, you know, the thing about the written word is that you sometimes can't get something across that's on the page. The way the line breaks are, you know, the way right. the story is very small sentences mm-hmm. in paragraphs that have breaks. How do you value that for the audience's ear? And is there a way to do that? And the answer may be no. The answer may be yes. And nothing's in quotes here. Right. So the dialogue's not in quotes.
0: You were actually honoring the transitions. And I think a person like myself who is not an actor wouldn't know to do that. We're always kind of like rushing to get it over with. I always right. feel sort of like superhero going through this guy. Got to save those kids. Got to get out of this story. <laughs> and you, as an actor, are just staying in the story because that's where you want to be. And yeah. that's where we want to be. Yeah. I also was struck by the changes in the voice, and can you talk about that modulation in the Ben Laurie story?
1: I've read it several times. You read it to yourself at first and see what happens, and then you have you have to read it out loud. The idea in your head is going to be different than what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So I tried on different voices for death, and for the lady. You know, you can do without voices. You can kind of go, you know, a lady goes to church some on Sunday morning and notices Death sitting beside her in a pew. Oh, Death, she says, very much surprised. Why, hello, I didn't see you. Hello to you too, miss, Death says with a smile. And what are we praying for today? Oh, says the lady, long life and happiness. Ah, says Death, sounds nice. That's legitimate. Totally. And that's the way it's written. It's not written with any quotation marks. So you try it that way and you kind of go, oh... We're missing something. I want to hear her. So you, you know, suddenly go, oh, death, she says. You put it a little higher, very much surprised. Why, hello, I didn't see you. Hello to you too, miss, death says with a smile. And what are we praying for today? Or, you know, you could make him Vincent Price. You can go, hello to you too, miss. And what are we praying for today? You know, that'd be a different way to go. You could do that. You could. You could make her starchy. Oh, death, she says. Why, hello, I didn't see you. Live to you, too. You know, there's so many ways you can go. But for me, it was about keeping it just a little above my narrative voice and a little below my narrative voice. They're almost literary, but they're pushed toward character.
0: It's so interesting because it creates a uniformity. It honors the sensibility of the story rather than... You doing funny voices. It's exactly. not at all about that.
1: I mean, I know some actors when they do things, they never do voices. They just always stay in, in one voice, and that's completely legitimate. God knows when you get too many characters, it's a minefield. I mean, I once did a, a book on tape where <laughs> the note that I got was, um, so Dennis, the witch sounds like the cat, <laughs> and you need to distinguish between the five bears. They're all sounding a little bit like the same Russian guy. And I was like, okay. I don't have five writers Right, You sense.
0: contain multitudes, but maybe that not, <laughs> not that, that many, many multitudes. No, no. So
1: you do have to be careful of not backing yourself into a ridiculous system. But you have mm-hmm.
0: access to these options. See, most of us do not.
1: Just before I came here, I was thinking about how to explain what we do. And part of it is I've been doing this for so long. The answer is I don't know how I do it. Right. You know, when I started studying acting when I was 18, one of my first lessons from my acting teacher was go out and – bring back observations, bring back five walks, bring back three gestures, bring back a couple of voices, bring back a couple of noses, go out into the world and look. And as actors, that's now part of my body. I mean, every day as I'm walking around, I'm collecting things. I'm collecting people. You can't help it. And same with technique. When we read a play, I just did a reading of Sam Shepard's True West. You read that play and you have to figure out how to speak the way Sam Shepard wants you to speak. That's different than the way that Ibsen wants you to speak, who's in translation that's already a problem, who's different than the way that Neil Simon wants you to speak, who's different than the way Chekhov wants you to speak. So you have to find the style. We approach a text and you look at it and you kind of go, what's the world of the text? What's the style of the text? In this particular story, for instance, it's short sentences. You automatically kind of go, oh, we're in a different world. We're in a world of kind of fairy tale. It's not really a real world, so it's already given me permission to do things. The Delmore Schwartz story that I read is very different world, long sentences, really long sentences, super complicated sense of place. Where are we? He's in a movie theater watching his parents. Is this really happening? Whereas this is, as mythical as it is, it's also concrete. They're in a church. Now they're in a cafe. Now they're in a car. You have to find the style, I suppose is what I'm saying. And as actors, we're trained to do that over years and years and years, and You begin to do it without even noticing you're doing it.
0: How did you approach the Delmore Shorts?
1: It's been a long time, so I don't remember. And it's funny, I listened to it, and I didn't like my reading. You know, at any point in your life, you would do something different. I liked a lot of what I was doing, but some of it, I was like, oh, I would have done that differently.
0: I do that, but there's no interpretation. There's nothing to start with. So it's not as important that I be a good reader aloud for my own work. It's internal, and it doesn't have a voice. Mm -hmm. As if there's something really different and powerful about the written word than just the way people speak.
1: That makes me think of so many things. I mean, the idea that, you know, what we give ourselves permission as actors to do is to say things that aren't on the page. Mm -hmm. So she says, what a marvelous idea, the lady says, climbing in. Is this yours, she says, the car? His line is, oh no, says death. I took a vow of poverty. My uncle let me borrow it for the day. So for me, what I want to do with that is Something that's not on the page, which is, what a marvelous idea, the lady says, climbing in. Is this yours? She says, the car. Oh, no, says death. I took a vow of poverty. My uncle let me borrow with the day. What is this uncle? Yeah. Who is this uncle? What yeah. is, is that Satan? What, who is the uncle? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to value the word uncle in a way that makes you go, ooh, what's that? But again, that's right. a trick that actors have is like figuring out how to say something that's not on the page, That you think is in the context of the story, even making words long. I mean, this great sentence They park by a cliff and spread out a blanket and open up Death's picnic basket. They unpack a feast and lay it all out, and then they drink a toast. That's a long sentence. Mm -hmm. You could say, They unpack a feast, they lay it all out, and then they drink a toast. But for me, I want to honor the sentence as written by the writer, which is one sentence with one comma.
0: This is just like my favorite thing to talk about. And I'm thinking now as you have this script of this story in front of you, what's the difference between having to memorize something?
1: There's a couple of things. One is that when you are working on your instincts you are bringing all of this crazy adrenaline to something, Mm -hmm. the minute you begin to rehearse it, it falls apart and becomes really bad. Yeah. Because you're no longer working on your instincts. You now have to justify everything, and you now have to put it back together and say, why did I do that choice? But then it comes back to that place again. When you memorize it, you get to a different place. The words do have to become yours. You have to own them in a different way. For a lot of actors, I know that when you memorize, you still see the page turn. (laughs) and you have to get rid of that. (laughs) You see the bottom of the page and you kind of go, that's top of 42. All right, top of 42. And you see it in your mind almost. You know, we do plays. They often cut lines. We often adjust the script and that can really mess you up because it's very hard to get rid of the lines you memorized when they're cut. They're always in you still. I did a play, called Take Me Out, for a year and a half, did 535 shows and probably around show 300, I came out on stage and I did not know my first line and it came out of my mouth but then I didn't know my second line and it came out of my mouth and I spent the entire monologue it's a monologue about I don't know 15 minutes long freaking out completely panicking drenched in sweat it's like
0: the dream I didn't know it's anything like the, it's I was like the nightmare right
1: because it had gone into my long-term memory the lines had become part of my body, and I was somewhere else, and I was thinking, is that sandwich shop Carve open? That's the one on 48th, right? Is that open still, I wonder? I could do that. Oh, I can have that. Okay, I have the soup, daily soups. Could, but they have the chicken. While I'm speaking out loud, this is what my mind is doing because I've done it for 300 times. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's like locking the door. Did you lock your door? You know, you were present, you did it, you turned the key, right. but you don't have any memory but of it. But the
0: audience probably wouldn't have known a the difference, They wouldn't right? have known, because but
1: I was terrified. So I had to go back and memorize the monologue again and resolder all the connections. Why do I say the next thing? How do I get from this to that? Why do I say that? What is the music of this? And I put it back together again, and then it was fine, but it was uh,
0: terrifying. That's really frightening. So I have you here in this studio, trapped in this studio... I would love to sort of watch in person how you do this, and would you read some of the story?
1: Yeah, it'll be different, I think. The two lie on the blanket and laugh and talk. Death tells the lady about his job. It's okay, he says, but sometimes I get lonely. I know how you feel, the lady says. You do? says Death. I always thought you were happy. Dinner parties and photographs and all. Well, says the lady... "'Things are different now, what with everyone gone?' "'Gone?' says Death. "'But where did they go?' "'Well, my husband.' "'You know,' the lady says. "'And my daughter's married and in Sweden now, "'and the twins have moved to Maine.' Maine, Death says. "'But last week they were four. "'Oh, that wasn't last week,' the lady says.' Maybe time moves differently for you, but I haven't seen you in ages. But, says Death, gazing at her in awe, but you look exactly the same. But even as he says that, he sees the old woman, like a ghost there, moving beneath the skin. Wow, says Death. He blinks and looks away. You look the same to me, he says. It's nice of you to say, the lady says with a smile, and I still feel the same on most days. And and what have you been up to? She says suddenly, brightly, as if to change the subject. M- me? Uh, says Death. Oh, well, mm, not too much running up and down upon the earth. Well, tell me all about it, the lady says. I've never been anywhere in my life. Nowhere? Says Death. Just here? The lady says. Is the rest of the world as nice? Nice? Death says. I I never thought of it that way. I I like it best in Asia, I guess. Did you see the Great Wall of China? the lady says. Oh yes, says Death. Of course. So he tells her about his time there, about the houses and the domes, about the sunsets and the spires. And he tells her about Egypt and Iceland and Norway and and Antarctica and everywhere else. It sounds so nice, the lady says with a sigh. I always meant to see the world, but there wasn't time. Well, says Death, it's never too late. We can go, and if you want, you can drive. He raises a hand and motions to the car. Oh, 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 I, I couldn't, the lady says. And besides, don't you have a job to be at? I could take some time off, Death says. The lady looks at Death, and Death looks back. Then with a smile, she starts to nod. All right, she says. You got yourself a deal. Now, please... Help an old lady up. So Death stands up and takes the lady's arm and he walks her slowly to the car. He helps her in and then climbs in himself. She turns the key and the engine roars. Okay now, says Death. Are you sure you want to do this? I do, says the lady. But first, a kiss. So Death leans in. And they close their eyes, and they kiss. And then she floors it off the cliff.
0: That was wonderful. Tell me about your tricks.
1: <laughs> it was an idea of making that section more about death's journey than her journey. His revelations than her revelations. Right. That she's sort of up here cheering away, and he's, and he's having this massive change. Yep. He completely, like, gobsmacked and then just at the end, making it a little darker, showing her hesitation, she suddenly realizes what's happening and goes, oh, he's come for me. You know, that thing about, mm-hmm. oh, I couldn't, the lady says, and besides, don't you have a job to be at? You know, it's it's all understood. Mm-hmm. Well, I could take some time off. No, you're my job. I'm here for oh. you. So just, it was just sort of putting a finger on the scale a little bit more with that. And they're, they're just making him... A little darker and a little more sinister finally at the end.
0: It's almost musical in a way how, yep. you, how you just did it. And I'm thinking, of course, of the Emily Dickinson because I would not stop for him. He kindly stopped for me. Yeah, yeah it's just it was, that was great. How exciting to see and listen to the choices that you make in person.
1: And also you push things by giving it um, momentum. So Death stands up and takes the lady's arm and he walks her slowly to the car. He helps her in and then climbs in himself. She turns the key and the engine roars. Right. Boom. right okay now you know what I mean Mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way I did it before which is much more ceremonial trying to like paint the picture of their movements
0: and you've made the case for each of them
1: there's no right answer no (laughs) there's just taste my taste your taste the director's taste the audience's taste and everyone's taste is different and all you can do is Make a guess and try yeah. to stab, you know, and, and then someone will go, That was brilliant. And someone's kind of go, oh, I didn't like it. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I really liked it. So <laughs> thank you. And it was so great to talk to you.